Hi, it's dating coach Chris Luna from Craft Charisma. Welcome to the Craft Charisma podcast, our free audio coaching program where we interview the top experts in the world at helping you become the man you've always wanted to be. My guest today is Dr. Joe Rabino. Joe is an internationally acclaimed self-esteem expert, a life-changing personal development and network marketing trainer. He's a success coach and the best-selling author of 11 books. He's the founder and CEO of the Center for Personal Reinvention, an organization committed to personal excellence and empowerment of all people. Thank you, Dr. Rabino, for coming on the show today. My pleasure, Chris. Thanks for having me. So can you tell me a little bit about your background, what you do, how you got interested in this current career path? Sure. Well, I was educated traditionally in the arts and sciences and actually practiced dentistry for 16 years. And I found myself very much resigned to the question, you know, is this all there is in life? Uh, dentistry had lost its glamour, its passion. I was just doing it to go through the motions and put food on the table for my family. And although I was successful as a dentist, I was in the top 1% of all practices in the United States. Uh, my values weren't being honored. I wasn't sure why I wasn't happy, but it wasn't until I entered into a year-long personal development program where I discovered that I wasn't being creative. I wasn't contributing to the fullest potential that I could. I wasn't having any fun. So long story short, over the last 23 years, I reinvented myself, and I discovered that my life purpose was to be an inspiration to both myself and to others where I was inspiring no one for the first 36 years of my life. And so since then I have taken on uh, my gift, which is creating structures and programs to support people to break through their stops and limitations in life and to actually live their best lives. So I do that through helping people elevate their self-esteem, create clarity around their life purpose, their vision for their lives, and then action plans and personal development programs to support them to access those visions. That was awesome. Over this conversation, I look forward to kind of delving deeper into some of the stuff. My next question is, well, I want to ask you why is self-esteem so important for happiness and success? And what are some key strategies that listeners can use to boost their self-esteem? Well, first, if you look at all of the ills that plague our society, everything from poverty to drug addiction, alcoholism, aggressive antisocial behavior, everything from divorce on one end to war on the other, school dropouts, bullying, all the things that we don't want, they're all sourced in low self-esteem. And what we found is that when we can support people to feel better about who they are, when they can have a positive expectation for their lives, when they can actually expect great things to happen, feel good about themselves, feel significant and worthy, where they can now start to... uh, have ideas that they can manifest into reality and they can translate their wishes into, into uh, actual accomplishments, everything shifts for people. It's like flipping a light switch where first they were uh, angry or suffering or uh, in a scared or a uh, uh, sad mode. And just by supporting them to elevate their self-esteem, new possibilities start to show up. They start to believe in themselves. They start to be better in their relationships and more effective in their communication. And so their life begins to transform. So with respect to your second question about, you know, how how do we do this? How do we support people to boost their self-esteem? I've actually created a three-step program where it's as simple as the following three areas. The first is healing, completing your past. One of the things that we tend to do, Chris, is we make things up as kids, and we continue to make them up all throughout our adult lives as well. And we make things up or we buy into other people's negativity. And pretty soon we believe it's true. And so we take action based upon our greatest fears, and those fears become manifest because we end up self-sabotaging our lives. So by healing and completing our past, we get to reinvent ourselves in such a way that we look at what interpretations did we make up or buy into, uh, maybe negativity from other people early on in life, that we've lived our life in accordance with that doesn't support us. Where are our values being dishonored? Where are we playing small? Where have we resigned ourselves to playing uh, 
in a way where we're suffering. Suffering, of course, is having something we don't want or wanting something we don't have. And it always involves lack of responsibility. So by healing and completing our past, we can reinvent the image of ourselves and actually change history because we don't remember the facts of history. We remember the interpretations that we made up about those facts. I actually have a quick question. I, I want to hear the next step, but you talked about healing and completing person's past. Can you get into a few specific examples of things that come up? Yeah. Well, you know, early on, usually before the age of six, we uh, either buy into somebody else's negativity. It could be a bullying episode or a spanking or a name that we're called or uh, something happens. Someone says or does something that says you're not good enough. You're unlovable. You're flawed in some significant way. And we start to think, oh, I guess I am. I'm, I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not uh, social enough. Whatever it is, people don't like me. And so we start to create a self-fulfilling prophecy out of that initial thought. So one of the ways that we can heal and complete that and to reverse the damage that it's done is we can separate out the facts from the interpretations, from what we bought into so we can go back either to that early upset, uh, before the age of six usually, or if we can't remember the early upsets in our lives where we began to damage our self-esteem, we can look at the last upset yesterday or the day before or last week with a spouse or a coworker or a neighbor or a friend. Because what we, in essence, have done is we have created episode after episode based upon something that we can't be with about ourselves and about others and about the world. So what happens, in essence, is that we become emotional addicts. Someone says or does something, and we, it makes us, quote-unquote, makes us, because it doesn't really, but we think that it does. It makes us angry, or it makes us sad, or it makes us afraid. And so we become addicted to these, one of these three predominant emotional reactive states of anger, sadness, or fear. And what happens is we start to live our life out of interpreting events to give us that fix. So, for example, when I was five years old, I was playing at the schoolyard, and some teenagers came by and started tossing me around back and forth. I hit my head on the concrete, went home crying. I was five years old. These kids were 16 to 18, and there were maybe a half a dozen of them. So I made up that I was small and insignificant, and that people were mean and cruel, and that the world was a dangerous place. And I lived my life out of that mistaken interpretation. And so I avoided people. I was socially inept. I had it that people were dangerous, so the way to protect myself was to avoid them. And so that influenced my career choice as a dentist. Can't talk to people uh, when you have your, your hands in their mouth. Um, I resigned myself to a life that was not fulfilling. I had few friends. And all of those things were as a result of that early interpretation, which I created as a self-fulfilling prophecy because I believed in it. I would do things such as when I would see someone that I knew I crossed the street as a little kid. Why? Because I didn't know what to say. I was afraid. And I soon developed a reputation of being a snob. And it wasn't that I was avoiding people because I thought I was better than them. It was just the opposite. I didn't want to get hurt. I, didn't, I, I felt socially incompetent. So my life kind of spiraled downward to the point where it wasn't working for me. And it was pretty much invisible. So when we talk about healing and completing our past, we look at what are the things that we make up about ourselves or the things that we buy into, the, the negativity, the uh, things that other people say or do to us, or the negative self-talk that's constantly keeping us small and stuck in suffering. And how can we reverse that such that we get to recognize when that self-talker is speaking. We get to distinguish that it's not our intuition. It's based in fear. It's based in anger. It's based in sadness. And so we can replace it with an affirmation about who we really are and who we've decided to be. So we can now, instead of being at the effect of all of these things that we are living our lives out of the interpretations and the things that we bought into, we're instead going to manage them in the moment. We're going to heal them. So we're going to realize that we make a number of things up and those things don't support us. And so that's what healing and completion is all about. So 
there's a lot of exercises in our program like that that I give people where they can actually map them onto their lives and they can reinvent themselves uh, by really reformatting their cellular memory. The cellular memory is the energy that really pervades ourselves based upon how we hold ourselves and how we hold up and how we hold the world. And when we are not forgiving, when we don't have self-compassion or when we don't have compassion for others, it affects who we are and how we see others and how we see ourselves. And so now we start to act out of the pictures that we hold of the world and others and ourselves. And that is how we stay stuck in suffering and damage our lives. I can see exactly what you're saying. Can you give us a couple of those exercises that you use to map these things out with your clients? Well, sure. Uh, one of the exercises is to identify what your most important values are. Values are the thread, are the, uh, they form a fabric of who we are at our core. And when the threads of that fabric are pulled, in other words, when our values are being dishonored, we shut down in our communication. We become angry. We become sad. And so one of the exercises that we support people to do is to identify what are their most important values and which of those values aren't being fully honored and what would it take to step into honoring those values fully so that, I'll give you an example, love was an important value of mine, but being in the defensive mode, I was not living love in the world. I was living defensively. So I would ask myself, how could I share love with others rather than fear? Creativity was another value of mine, but I wasn't being very creative because I had made up that I wasn't creative, which was a lie. And so now what I've learned to do is to tap into my creativity, to create programs and, and to write books and to uh, create specific ways to support people to live their best lives. And that's how I exercise my creativity. Uh, so those are that's an example of uh, how we can support people to look at what's missing that if put in, into place would support people to reinvent themselves in a way that uh, supports their excellence, that gives them happiness and fulfillment in life. This is going to be very helpful for the people who are listening to this. You said that the next step after healing and completing the past is what? It's properly assessing what's so in your life right now. So doing a, a values inventory is one step. Taking a look at six key areas of life our health and appearance, wealth or finances, our job or our, or our business, our relationships, our area of personal and spiritual development, and the area of having fun and recreating and pursuing our passions. So in all six key areas of life, what's working optimally and what's missing that have put into place would support us to move our lives forward. So we look at, do we have an empowered an empowering vision for our lives? Are we self-motivated to accomplish the things in all six key areas that make life worthwhile for us? Or are we selling ourselves out? Are we settling for less? Are we somehow living in that resignation that I spoke of? Or are we acting reactively in a way that doesn't support us, that damages our relationships, that kills our charisma, that minimizes our personal effectiveness because we're not keyed into how we're landing in the world, how we're coming across to others. So by doing a proper assessment of what's working in our lives and what's not working, we now can then go on to the third area, which is to create a life of choice, a life that starts with identifying what our life purpose is. We all have a life purpose, but very few of us are living our life purpose because we don't realize that we can declare what that is for the world to hear and we can step into it as a possibility to be realized. Our life purpose then provides a backdrop for us to create a new vision for our lives. So we can actually create a vision that empowers us about who we're being, the qualities that we'll be known for, what we're doing on a typical day at work and our typical day at play, what we'll have in our lives as far as fun and toys and houses and people and pets and uh, possibilities what we'll surround ourselves with, and who we contribute to. How will we leave a legacy? How will we do something that we can be proud of, that will empower every day of our lives where we take the focus off of our petty concerns and we actually put the focus on living large, playing a master game, so to speak, a game that is worth playing, 
that we'll never get tired of playing. And that game ties directly into our life purpose. So when we can live from this overall perspective of declaring who we've decided to be, living from that declaration as opposed to the evidence that we've created that says, though, that's just the way I am, and there isn't a lot I can do about it, which is a lie. Instead, we declare, these are the qualities I'm going to be known for. These are the things that I'm going to be up to in my life. And we create the vision. Now, we get to set goals that align with that vision. So the goals are measurable and specific. They're grounded in time. They're a stretch so that we uh, live large. We don't have to know how to do them in order to set these goals. But they're achievable. They're not pie in the sky. And the goals are going to be uh, sourced and made possible through an action plan. So we get to design actions that will allow us to reach those goals on purpose. And of course, anytime we're setting goals, what's going to happen? Challenges or interruptions to those goals. So it's necessary for us to have a personal development plan that will allow us to examine who we're being moment by moment, day by day, that either supports us or is a hindrance to us. So we can ask questions of ourselves and about, and about others and about the world around, you know, what's missing that if put into place would help me to be more effective here? Or, you know, what am I not seeing? What do I don't know that I don't know? And, of course, this is where a coach comes in and giving us access to the blind areas that we can't see, that we don't know about. So those three areas, healing and completing your past, assessing what's so in your present state, and then designing a life of choice, a life that is honoring your values and living on purpose in accordance with the person that you've declared yourself to be. It is kind of like a paint-by-numbers system where when you do the exercises that we lay out for you in the program, you get to see life differently. And when you see life differently, you know, you, you can never put that genie back in the bottle because now you, 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 you have more self-awareness. You know when you're making things up. You know when you're, you get to recognize when you're reacting emotionally, when you're in your negative state, when you're letting your negative self-talk rule you, when you're letting other people pull your strings or press your buttons. And so it's really a very exciting place to, to be and an exciting possibility to live there because you know that you, you can be 10 feet tall and bulletproof when you don't allow anyone else to uh, invalidate you and you have the ability to really live in choice, which is what this really comes down to. I understand everything that you're saying. I think some people who are listening to this might love the ideas of some of the things that you're talking about, but they question, even if they have a purpose, right? They say, okay, I have this goal that I don't really talk about because I'm worried that if my friends know or my family find out that I'm going to get rejected or they're going to tease me or they're going to give me a hard time. And in reality, they might be pursuing the goal to the best of their abilities. And often the case, they're holding back because they don't think that they're either capable or worthy because the achievement of the goal isn't within their current set of experiences. So if somebody is in that situation, what should they do? Well, first of all, they need to get clarity around what they're committed to in life. Because if they're more committed to looking good or playing small or being liked or not being made fun of or uh, being invalidated because they set goals and they're afraid that they won't achieve them, they really have their, their foot nailed to the floor. Uh, so the first thing is, through a, a, a program to elevate their self-esteem, they can give up their right to be invalidated by all these people who have opinions about what they're doing, and they can start to live a life that works for them. And when you believe in yourself, you care a whole lot less about what other people think, because everybody has opinions. And you can try them on like a coat. If the opinions, you know, fits, then you can use it to enhance your life some way. Try it on. And if it doesn't, then you toss the coat aside. You, you don't have to be at the effect of other people's whims or thoughts or opinions. So uh, my invitation to those people is to have the courage to live boldly, to know that if once you take on personal development, and you start to examine who you're being moment by moment that either supports you and your happiness and your fulfillment and your relationships or not, 
you become a whole lot less concerned with the petty concerns that might have ruled your life until that point. And among those petty concerns are included, you know, the opinions of friends who might not be uh, into personal development, might be at a, at a lower evolutionary level. And that's fine because everybody is wherever they are. But whenever you allow your life to be led based upon what other people think, you're really selling yourself short. For any person who's ever dreamed big or thought big or pursued anything big, uh, they have experienced the naysayers, the negativity, the friends that you mentioned who oftentimes will make those negative comments and try to hold them back. How do you deal with these people when they enter your life? Well, first of all, you, you get to train people how they are to be with you. So if you notice the people that you surround yourself with are negative, if they are naysayers, if they're constantly putting you down, you have a choice. You could either continue to live that life and surround yourself with that negative influence, or you can train people how to be with you. You can say, you know, uh, I've made up my mind to live in a way that empowers my life, that moves my life forward. And I've decided to surround myself with people who believe in me. And I'd love you to be one of those people. I'd love to partner with you to uh, you know, move both of our lives forward. And if you're not up for, the, for that, that's fine. But I just want you to know that I'm going to be surrounding myself with people who, uh, who are into personal development, who empower themselves. You know, when we, if we're looking at creating abundance in our lives, our 10 closest friends typically will represent the amount of abundance that we have in our lives. And so if we are living a life of poverty, a life of scarcity, and we're surrounding ourselves with people who are poor, who are broke, who are uh, negative, well, we have a choice. We can either now start to find mentors and coaches and friends who are into self-improvement, who are into championing others, who are into win-win scenarios, who are into uh, empowering other people to be great. Or we can continue to stay in the status quo. We have a choice to make. And when we get clarity around what we're really committed to, the choices become easy because we can, we're all committed to something, Chris. Most of us are committed to our convenience. And so when we're committed to our convenience, we do things that don't support us overall, but they're most convenient in the moment. So I'll give you an example. Our friends are all doing drugs, and, you know, they want to hang out with us and do drugs. Well, it might be convenient in the moment to go and do drugs with them because that's what we always have done. That might be something that allows us to fit in and be accepted, but it doesn't align with our new commitment, which is to move our life forward, to be abundant and to be happy and to be fulfilled. So we have a choice to make. Are we more committed to status quo and, and the convenience of keeping what we know in place, even though we know it doesn't serve us, or are we more committed to a new life, and a new life that maybe is drug-free, a new life that is surrounded by empowering people? So as long as we are clear on our commitments, the choices become easy. We now can take the path that aligns with the new, the new road that we're going to take. And it's the same with any, any choice in life. Uh, a job that doesn't serve us anymore. We get clarity around what we want to do with our lives, and the path becomes clear, what we need to do to get there. Uh, relationships, the same thing. If we're in dead-end relationships, people are in, uh, who are in, for example, abusive relationships, they get to train people on how they are to be with them, and they get to take responsibility, not like burden or fault, but who are you being that you're being a doormat for someone else? And how can you instead move your life forward in a way where you attract empowered people, people who respect you, people who you respect? So it's all about choices. And the bottom line, it all comes down to responsibility. Responsibility is about being able to respond in a way that serves us no matter what the circumstance. And it's about speaking our truth powerfully and responsibly, leaving other people whole in the process but at the same time, not being at the effect of what uh, people say and do. And when you can muster that own, your own personal power to live in that empowered manner, life starts to shift. You start to believe in yourself, and new realities start to appear. New, 
new doors start to open, new possibilities and relationships. And life can get very exciting when that happens. And it takes courage. You can't steal second base with one foot on first base. So it's going to involve some risk. It's going to involve moving your life forward and making some choices that either support you or don't. And so that's really about gaining clarity on, on where you're going and what you're committed to and how you're going to get there. Dating coach Chris Luna here. This is the perfect time to take a quick break to talk to you about three simple things that you can do to dramatically change your life. First, listen to this entire podcast and then subscribe through SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. This way you'll immediately be notified every time we share a new release. If you listen and apply the ideas we discuss on these podcasts, it will change your life forever. Second, go to craftchristmas.com, create an account, and become a member of our community. There you can read articles, listen to podcasts, watch videos, ask us questions, and document your journey in our forums. Great men don't become great on their own. All great men are members of a community, and Craft Charisma is your community. Finally, if you're serious, and I know that you are, about making massive changes to your life as quickly as possible, check out our live coaching programs on our website. Craft Charisma live programs are the fastest way to improve your dating and social life. And who knows? Attend our live programs, let us get to know you, and you may end up as a member of the Craft Charisma team. Again, thank you for listening. Now back to the podcast. But when you have big goals, things that you are excited about, if you're not excited about life, it's because you're not excited about your goals. And uh, I just think that's kind of an important point to mention. You talk a lot about people. You talk about commitment. You talk about a lot of ideas. What are some other keys to maximizing abundance and success? Well, let's look at what creates abundance and what creates success. First of all, what is your definition of success? I think that if you have lived your life long enough, you'll see that it's not attaining a certain amount of wealth. It's not attaining, you know, a certain car or a certain house or a certain position. All of those are nice, of course. But what is success? Success is living in accordance with the things that are most important to you, honoring your values, living your life purpose while you're on that path and enjoying the process of life at the same time. So if you are wealthy, and you're hating what you're doing, which was what characterized my life for the first uh, 36 years of my life as a dentist. I you know, made a mid-six-figure income, but I was not ha- having fun. So what good was that? So success is about honoring your values. It's about being on the path where you're enjoying the process of life, learning and growing every single day. Now let's look at what it takes to attract abundance into your life. Success and abundance operate like a thermostat, and that thermostat is automatic. When we expect great things to happen in our lives and we see those great things as inevitable, we are self-motivated. We generate the self-motivation that's necessary to do the things that will bring them up about on purpose. In other words, when we see our success as inevitable, we take the actions that align with producing that success. The opposite is true as, as, as well. When we expect to fail, when we expect to be poor, when we expect to have broken relationships, when we expect to be unhappy or unfulfilled in our work, we end up self-sabotaging. And then we get to say we were right about it. We get to be right. We get to justify our behavior. We get to avoid responsibility for making those tough choices. Most of us live somewhere in between those two extremes of expecting great things to happen or expecting horrible things to happen. Instead, we expect the sort of things that we become accustomed to in our lives, the things that we have developed evidence for over the last X number of years in our lives. So that's why we have small incremental improvements in our life, small changes, make a little bit more money, we have a few more friends. We do more or less the things that we've been accustomed to. And it's not until we achieve breakthroughs in any of those six key areas of life that I mentioned that we now have the ability to expect great things, to expect abundance and fulfilling work and rich relationships and happiness and fun and all the things that we all want. So what does it take to do that? 
It takes an empowered vision. We all have a vision, and all we have to do is look around us to see what's manifesting in our lives, and that's our vision. But you'll notice that most the time, what is showing up in our life isn't to our liking totally. That's because we've settled for less. That's because we have resigned ourselves to that's just the way it is. That's just the amount of money I can earn. That's just the, how social I am. That's how many friends I can have. That's you fill in the blank. So what it will take in order to create a new vision is to see our success, to see our happiness, to see our relationships, to see our fulfilling work as inevitable. When we see it as inevitable, we're now self-motivated do those things that will bring it about. And that is the key to generating the success and the abundance that we all want. I want to be a naysayer for a second. So somebody's listening to this and they're like, well, I read a bunch of economics books and there's limited resources and wars are about power and the fight for resources. And there's only so much time I have in a day. So I have these real constraints. What would you tell a person? Well, I would tell them that that is your reality, and that is the reality that you're going to manifest. I have a different perspective, and that perspective is that in any economy, there will be people that are extraordinarily wealthy. Uh, in any situation in life, there will be people that find happiness, that are empowered with their work, that love what they do. You can be a person who quotes statistics and who looks for the flaw and creates the reality that is consistent with that negative expectation, and that is exactly what you'll get. Or you can get clarity around what it is about you that is causing you to self-sabotage and to stay stuck and to stay in that mode. So, for example, if you're not totally abundant, as a matter of fact, if you're not opulent, you know, who are you being that life is scarce for you? Do you not believe in yourself? Do you not believe in the abundance of the world? Because I can tell you abundance absolutely exists out there. I've created $4 million businesses in my life, and I'm, I'm convinced that, you know, uh, there's just an unending series of opportunities out there, and the only thing limiting you is you get to choose which ones you're going to pursue. So if the same thing with relationships. If your relationships aren't rewarding, then who are you being that your energy is attracting the type of people who aren't giving you the rewards that you want? If you want loving nurturing people and you're angry all the time, hello, guess what? why those people are showing up in your life? If you're thinking that life is scarce and there's not enough to go around, why, why do you think that that's become your reality? It's because who you're being is scarce in your thinking and with your contributions. When you give and you create value for people, that value comes back to you tenfold. So, really, in the, in the end, Chris, it's about you deciding the quality that you want to live out, and you start to step into those as a declaration, knowing that the universe, that God, however you want to hold it, will shift to accommodate you when your energy is consistent with what you want to attract. That's what the whole law of attraction is about. It's about attracting things into your life that are consistent with your expectations and your energy. So if your energy is off, if you're repelling friends, if you're repelling wealth, if you are uh, addicted to sadness, 280 to 350 million people are clinically depressed in the world. These are people who are addicted to sadness. 22% of women and 16% of men are addicted to fear. These are people who worry all the time. And if you look in the world, at the world, you'll see that the vast majority of the world's population is addicted to anger. So you get to choose. Do you want to feed your addictions to anger or sadness or fear? Or do you want to live a quality emotion, an emotion like love or contribution or belonging or empowerment or inspiration? And you get to choose which will it be. And you get to be right about whatever you do choose because if you expect bad things to happen, they will, and you'll get to be right about that. And I think you're absolutely right. In you said it earlier, in every economy, there always is an exception, or in every situation, there's an exception. And being that exception is a choice that people make. And uh, and a lot of this talk has been about how do you create that. 
One of the things I want to talk to you about, and you started to touch on it, is the idea of charisma and personal power. What are some of the things that the listeners can do to increase their charismatic presence? Well, what is charisma? Charisma is a quality of energy that either attracts people or repels them. So what are some of the qualities of energy that attract people? Lightness, humor, uh, fun. Those are things that attract people. What are some of the things that repel people? Anger, sadness, fear, uh, scarcity, thinking. Those are things that repel people. So when we can examine who are we being that is either supporting people to be in our presence and enjoying the experience, or who are we being that is repelling people from us? We now get to have clarity around how we're landing in the world, how we're coming across to others in a way that either empowers them, makes their day better than we found them, or makes their day a little worse than we found them, because we have a choice. And so what does it mean to be personally effective? It means that we make people feel good about who they are when they're in our presence. They have fun. They're light. We're funny. We're empowering. We all know people like that. And when those people uh, are in your presence, you feel a little bit better because of it. You're, you enjoy their company. That's what charisma is all about. And so finding out about what's important about for, for other people in their lives, asking them questions about themselves, getting them to feel good about who they are, those are all ways to enhance your charisma by contributing to others and by looking at how you can empower people to feel good, to be abundant, to uh, see possibilities they didn't see before. So we all have the ability to either lead people better than we found them, to empower them, to be, uh, it's called a Pygmalion effect, making people greater than they see themselves because we have that ability to impact people that way. Those are the people with charisma. And the people who lack charisma are the people who oftentimes are more concerned with their own petty stuff than they are with taking the focus off of themselves and focusing on something greater than themselves. Again, it's worth playing, uh, empowering or supporting another person, uh, making somebody's day a little bit brighter. If you're making people feel good emotions, they're going to be drawn to you. And if they're drawn to you, you're going to find that you're going to increase your influence with them. And when you're influencing other people, you'll discover that you're in a position of leadership. So for the people who are listening to this, they're implementing these strategies what are some things that they can do to be better leaders, both in their personal and professional lives? Well, what is leadership? Leadership is an appointed position. It's not something that you get elected to. It's a declaration that you make that you are going to lead. Leaders have visions and inspire other people to buy into their visions, create visions of their own, or to somehow get into action. So leadership is, is an art and a science. Uh, when you decide to step into leadership, what, what, is, what are the qualities that will support you? Well, your energy is one quality that's conducive to attracting people, that charisma, charismatic type energy. Another is contribution. Leaders contribute to people. It's not about what's in it for me. It's about how can we work for the common good? How can we work for a, a, you know, a shared interest, something that is important to others? Uh, leadership is also... Uh, something where great leaders make others great. They become the catalyst to get things done. They don't want the recognition themselves, and they don't do things to stroke their ego. They do things because they believe in, in causes. They believe in contributing to people. So if you want to be a leader in your family, if you want to be a leader at your work, if you want to be a leader in your community or in your church, uh, a political leader, what, what does that require? It requires you being a visioner. It requires you inspiring others through your words and through your deeds. It requires you doing and being the qualities that other people want to be around. And that's really what leadership is all about. Leaders create possibilities that inspire people to action. What about people who are worried about being an effective leader? One of the concerns that I hear from people is they say that, well, I had this boss and he was really charismatic, but he was incompetent. 
right? And so how does somebody overcome that fear or learn to be more effective? Or is this kind of a learning process? I'd love you to give the listeners your insights on this. First, let's, let's address confidence. What is confidence? It's being able to have an idea and to manifest that idea in reality with velocity so that you can actually produce a result. So results are black and white. You're either producing them or you're not. So if you're not producing results, then something's missing. And typically, uh, one of the things that I do is I support businesses to be more productive. And so we look at what is missing that if put into place would have the company be more productive. So is, you know, what is your, your mission for your company? What is the vision for your company? What unique selling proposition does your product address? What benefits do you provide for people? And are you effective in communicating those benefits? Is your product uh, marketed well? Are you out there uh, informing people of what those benefits are? So someone, for example, that is not very competent in producing a result, they lack the distinctions of what does it take to set goals and to achieve goals. Uh, I, like you, many people know people who are great with people, but aren't very good at producing results. And so what we would do with those people is we would work on supporting them to put whatever is missing into place so that their actions now start to align with producing the results that they desire. Because what's often missing when results are, are lacking is the actions aren't grounded with expectations. So what we need to do there is we need to look at what is your action plan? What personal development structure do you have in place that will support your actions to be effective? Because what will happen is when you set goals, when you have uh, productivity that is your intention, challenges will occur. Problems will show up. So what is your relationship to problems? Do they shut you down? Do they cause you to quit? Do you give up or, or uh, you know, get, get stopped because of them? Or do you see every problem as having gift that's there for your development, a gift that will make you wiser or more empathetic or uh, more able to learn or wisely be able to do something you couldn't do before? So what we need to do uh, is to combine those two elements. The charisma is working with people. The objectivity of producing a result is uh, is is more of a of a uh, of a left brain activity, and the charisma is a right brain activity. And so, when we can combine personal effectiveness with productivity effectiveness, now we have the best of both worlds. Now we're empowering people to produce results, and that's those are the companies that are most productive. They empower their people to produce results. So people like what they're doing. They're motivated to work harder. They are more creative. And their, their productivity increases because the two are combined. Their actions are productive. If they experience stops, they have coaches to support them to look at what might be missing that are put into place would help them to, to achieve the results that they want. And so it, it's a combination of those two domains, so to speak, of uh, the domain of empowering people and the domain of producing results. And when you mesh them together, then you have really what you want. You've mentioned the action plan more than once. Can you give me an example of what goal somebody might have who you're working with and what an action plan that you might develop with them would consist of? Well, sure. Uh, it depends on, of course, the company and the people, but some of the people that I work with for example, uh, quite regularly are in sales, whether that be a health professional office or a network marketing company or uh, somebody that wants to sell real estate. And so they have a goal. They set a goal. Let's say that their goal is to sell 10 houses this month. They're a real estate agent. And so their action plan needs to be grounded as to, okay, if you're going to sell 10 houses, how many people do you need to first introduce to a house before the house sells? Uh, how do you price a house so that it will sell, so that it's within the market? Uh, where do you advertise? How do you get the word across? How do you make a great presentation? So there are all these distinctions that support success in any endeavor. Uh, if we're looking at, for example, a client that I work with a lot of 
uh, dentists, veterinarians, chiropractors, physicians who want to expand their practices. So we look at, okay, maybe you're, you're earning $200,000 a year and you want to earn $800,000 a year. Let's look at how many patients you're going to have to increase. So maybe you're seeing 10 new patients a week and you want to see 200 new patients a week. Where, how are you going to create the value to attract patients? Where are you going to advertise? How are you going to differentiate yourself? Uh, what are you going to do to market your practice? How is the culture within your practice? Uh, are your team all on board and are they team players? Are they supporting the, the vision of the practice? Do you offer knock your socks off service? So th there's all of these different elements based upon what the company is and what the goals are that need to be put into place. But let's suffice to say that it, it starts with a vision. It starts with a vision of what you want to accomplish. Then you set goals that align with that vision, goals that are measurable and specific and grounded in time. And then your actions ground the goals. The actions are daily, weekly, monthly. Some, some are any of the above or all of the above. Uh, and so if you're in sales, maybe your daily action commitment is to speak with five people a day or 50 people a day, whatever that happens to be for you. So you ground what you're doing with where you want to be. You look at what are your ratios? How many people will come into your business when you speak with 10 people on average? Uh, how can you speak with less people and be more effective? How can you speak with more people and be more effective? So there's all these different elements that, that are put into place in grounding businesses to move their businesses forward. Uh, but the bottom line is you have to get clarity on what is the value that you're providing for people. Because abundance really comes down to pr providing value for people, benefits that people want. If you're good at providing benefits for people, they will be the path to your door and you'll be very welcome. If you're not good at communicating what makes you unique and different and special, then you'll be less well. If you're not very good at differentiating yourself from everyone else out there, again, your ability to be wealthy will suffer. So all of those are, are different considerations, and uh, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of, I've been going back and forth between mentioning how great some of your ideas are and be playing devil's advocate. But I do think the things you're talking about are awesome. Uh, I mean, I'll give a personal story that reinforces exactly what you said. When I was in my early twenties, I had a, my first sales job and I was selling cars. And the first year I made about uh, 35 grand. And then I started reading self-improvement books. And the next year I, I made about 60 grand. And, and, uh, as I figured out how to apply some of this stuff, but I had a big breakthrough between the second year and the third year. I mean, we're talking, I'm 20 years old at the time. And I kept hitting this wall where I would make about five grand a month. And I was like, well, I'd really like to make eight, nine, 10, 12 grand a month. And so what I did was, and it reinforces exactly the things that you're talking about. I said, well, okay, if I were to make $8,000 a month, how would I do that? And I realized, well, I had been tracking how many people I talked to, how many of those resulted in demonstrations or where I would go into the numbers, the result in sales. So I knew what my, my numbers were. And I also knew how much I made per vehicle. And so I just did the backwards math and said, okay, well, if I'm averaging $500 a vehicle for every sale I make, then how many people do I have to talk to in a given month, assuming that my ratios are, are relatively consistent over the last three, five, six months? Uh, how many people do I need to talk to? And then I just broke up my schedule and said, okay, I'm going to work 23 days this month. Uh, I divided that number up by 23 days, realized I had to talk to like, I don't remember the exact numbers, but I, uh, I remember that I had to talk to four people a day. And all I did was made sure that instead of screwing off, like hang out by the coffee machine, talking to other people, messing around the phone, surfing the net, I talked to four people a day and I started making over uh, eight grand a month. And so it's exactly, I mean, the, the things that you're talking about are, are grounded in such common sense. Although if nobody has ever learned to apply them, they might not be common sense. But I think that they're excellent, excellent, excellent advice. If there's somebody who's listening to this, do you have any final words of advice, tips, challenges, things that they can take away from this conversation? Because it's been so wonderful. Well, absolutely. If you're still with us after all this time, then there's obviously something here that has interested you. And my invitation to you is to not sell yourself short. Don't live in that same type of resignation where you settle for less. 
if you're not totally abundant, if you're not having a great, rich, fun life that's marked by passion, if your relationships are strained, if you don't love your work and would do it just because you love it, whether it paid you or not, then my invitation to you is to stop, take a look, give up your right to suffer. As I mentioned, suffering is having something you don't want or wanting something you don't have. And it always involves lack of responsibility. And the responsibility comes in taking a look at what's missing that it put into place would allow you to live that life on purpose, that deliberate life where you're passionate, you're having fun, you're abundant, and all the things that you want are manifesting in your life. And here's the great news. There's so much help for you out there in the world. Online, there are so many programs. There are so many great coaches that can support you to achieve insights and breakthroughs in your life. So my invitation to you is to take some action every single day of your life. Develop not only an action plan, but a personal development plan. Because if you're clear about the qualities that you need to develop in order to be your best person, so that you can have it all, so that you can contribute your gifts to the world. You can get clarity on what those gifts are. Get clarity on what your life purpose is. Create an empowered vision for your life. And ask yourself, what's missing for me to step into that vision? So my invitation is to not settle for less and to go for the brass ring because we all have that ability to live large. And if more people believed in themselves and saw their happiness, their success, their relationships as inevitable, We'd have a whole lot less poverty, war, violence, scarcity, mentality, and all the things that we don't want. So I wish you Godspeed in that, in that endeavor and uh, invite you to step into that greatest potential that we all have. Dr. Rubino, this has been a wonderful conversation. I got to wrap this up. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. It's been an absolute pleasure. And if you're listening, you want to learn more about Dr. Rubino, uh, his coaching, his programs, his different products and things, the things that he does. I'm going to post some links on the Craft Charisma website and within the description of this podcast so that you can learn about him more easily. Thank you again. Thank you, Chris. And thank you, everyone. It's dating coach Chris Thona here. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And we absolutely love making this podcast. We make this podcast for you. So if there's somebody that you want on the show, let me know. I will yell, scream, stand in front of their house, do everything I do to get them on the show for you. Also, don't hesitate to follow the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher. You can also give us a shout out through social media, Facebook, Twitter, share it with your friends. And lastly, go to the Craft Christmas website and create an account. There you can talk about the podcast and communicate with me directly. So thank you again for taking time to listen. You will hear again from me soon.